Hello and welcome to the Offensive Zone show with your hosts, Ian and Tyler. The weekly podcast is so good you'd extend it for eight years, whatever the cap is. Monday, which means one of two things. One, it means that your working week has kicked off, which is the bad news. But the good news is that we have another episode of the Offensive Zone show tonight, and it's going to be a stormer. Uh, I'm your host, Ian, and today we're going to be breaking down the Central Division as we continue our ongoing series, going division by division, looking at who we think is going to make it, who we think isn't, and uh, overviewing really their entire off-season. Um, to help me out tonight, I have a very special guest in Max. Uh, Max, uh, hello, for a start. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into hockey, and more importantly, some of these journalistic duties that you uh, you now have? Yeah, so uh, I'm a big hockey fan since I'm like a toddler. Uh, I've been um, following mostly Sidney Crosby because it was a really first player that I've seen in my life. Uh, my dad mm-hmm. brought me to a hockey game uh, when back when I was a kid. And uh, yeah, so I, I saw him with the um, Rimouski Oceanic. And um, he went to the Pittsburgh Penguins, so I started following the, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then there was the, uh, I, I don't know if you know about it, but like uh, the year where uh, Yaroslav Alak was a, was a god and uh, he eliminated like uh, the Washington Capitals and took over to the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. And this is the first time where Montreal kind of got into my mind. And I mm-hmm. saw, like, with these playoffs, it's I think it's a 2010 playoffs, I saw how much um, impact the hockey had on, in Quebec. So mm-hmm. it was all about the Montreal Canadiens. There was nobody about talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins and all. So, yeah, I really got into the Montreal Canadiens. And, uh, yeah, my, my dad uh, just uh, just a big uh, advanced stats fan and stuff like that. So I, I've been, uh, I, I'm, born, uh, I'm born to hockey. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that's, that's an awesome story mate it really is yeah. <laughs> um it's yeah it's it's better than most is what i would say in terms of this in terms of the story and the fact that your dad's into it as well is great uh and you can't beat can't beat fancy stats mate they are they are the stats that matter yeah so, definitely um, now I, I know as i said a minute ago you you've got some some journalistic duties uh currently and you're doing some things got some projects going on so yeah, just tell us a little bit more about about what you've got going on there and and what it is that you're doing. Yeah, I've been writing for um, an, an hockey page, uh, mostly around the Montreal Canadiens, but uh, it, it's uh, mm. around the NHL too. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a big page with uh, 250 fans, I think. Yeah, so the, that that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of fans. That's a lot of people that can that can read my opinions. Um, yeah, I started it like two weeks ago, and I really like it. And this is something that that I plan to do uh, on the future too, maybe on a bigger, uh, bigger, bigger websites. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So when when you're an NHL insider and you're yeah. in the big bucks <laughs> and you're at the big games, uh, don't forget about the offensive zone show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> we, I'll keep we, this in mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> maybe just here, specify. Hopefully. Maybe just specify for the public that my main language is French. So yeah, if, if they notice notice an accent or anything like that, just uh, 
No, that's fine. Yeah. All accents allowed. As a, as a Brit doing an American, <laughs> you know, led show, it's it's all good. It's all good. We're all about the accents on here, um, and I can guarantee that your English is a hundred times better than my French. Um, oh. So, bonjour, Sava, <laughs> merci. That's probably, Fr- I'm pretty much done. Yeah, <laughs> French is actually a lot of order in English. <laughs> I, I learned English like just playing video games. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. That's you know. So, um, so hopefully my English is pretty good. Otherwise, I've got a real problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, look, look, I just you know I said it's new times throughout the show, but really appreciate you coming on. Um, obviously, we're not doing the Montreal Canadiens today, but I do have a couple of questions for you, which I'm yeah. going to squeeze in at the end. <laughs> well, might, might as well. So, uh, but what we're going to go to first, if I can get the little clip to work. So the jingle means that we're going to cover some news and we actually have got some news this week and I'm going to start with something that anybody that follows us on Twitter and if you don't follow us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter, um, uh, is is around the, the Jersey adverts and Washington Capitals became the first team in the NHL to sign an advertising deal. Um, classic uh, was the comment that was made by the Dallas Stars president. Because obviously look, there's, there's a lot of um, bad blood around the jersey adverts I know because uh, I've, I've been talking about it um, and a lot of the fans don't like it the owners do can't imagine why there is that disparity between the two parties maybe because one earns money off it the others don't um, but the uh, Dallas Stars president a guy called Brad Alberts came out and said to ESPN I think sports gambling is the future of our business I think it's here and only going to continue to get bigger there's no stopping that freight train now um, so I thought, Brad, come on, mate. You need to watch a few westerns. Freight trains can always be stopped. Uh, it just takes some dynamite, and uh, it's doable. So very quickly, I don't want the show to be con- just all about Jersey ads because I've probably gone about it enough, uh, and I will continue to, by the way, because I feel very strongly about it. People can't see this because we're doing this audio, but I am wearing a Chicago's top today, and that's because I knew we were talking about the Jersey ads. So, Max, what's what's your thoughts on 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 the uh, adverts? Honestly, I'm like, I, I, that's that's a 50-50 opinion. Like, yes, mm-hmm. there's going to be a bigger market in terms of like um, uh, how much money the team gets and how much money they can spend and all that stuff. It, it all comes together. But in my opinion, like, it's just just symbolic like you have the jersey the chicago jersey the chicago jersey it's like mm-hmm. a symbolic jersey if you put an ad on it i feel like it it it, it hurts like it's it's not like exactly. the same thing and you know the um, the the blackhawks are part of the original six it's has been it has been like always kind of the same jersey and you would change that in 2021 mm-hmm. like i i uh, i i completely agree with you like these these jerseys they are symbolic and you know I don't want you know bet three six five written across the side of the Rangers jersey or the Hawks jersey or the Habs jersey you know and it's we know that these adverts are going to predominantly be gambling sites because they are we see it in all sports it starts off being Joe Bloggs and his scaffold company and then it ends up being a Japanese advertising company because they've got no way of advertising in their own media so they use sports. Um, you know, where is a way of doing it? We, we know all of this because we've seen it happen in other sports. So I just, 
there's a, there's a morality thing for me as well in terms of what this means. Do I do I want like my I've, I've, my son is is nine years old. Do I want him walking around with a top on it that has <laughs> seven or eight gambling companies? Not really. I I know I, I don't. So whatever they're earning off it, and I've said this on Twitter, but I reiterate the point: whatever they're earning off it, that's the cost of your soul. Because for me, it's I. I uh, big, very much against it, and and as as, as I said a few times, if anybody thinks it's going to stop with these three by three ads, you are you are you are you are lovely, you are optimistic, and I love you for it, but it's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah you can cancel it in, in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Greed never stops, mate. Greed never stops. So, moving on. Otherwise, we're going to have like forty five <laughs> minutes. They're like, oh, it was just another episode where Ian was ranting. Good, okay. Um, so <laughs> the the next news story is uh, staying with a, a very interesting theme here. So got a couple of injuries to talk about. Uh, Buffalo stripped Jack Eichel of his captaincy. Uh, you would argue this is the first step towards him being traded. They obviously said that he failed his physical. Um, so he had an injury anyway in the offseason. So we'll presume that it's a hangover from that. But... Given they were looking at trading him, nobody was talking about his injury then. So it it feels like it's it's maybe not like we're not seeing the full picture. I mean, I don't know if there's, if you if you've got any insight on it, Max, or if you've got any thoughts on it. Um, I feel like th- there's something there's something. Um, I I know the expression in French, but it's Engli- in English going to be harder. But there's there's maybe something um, uh, under the rock. Like th- mm. there's there's mm. really something on the rock. Like there there's really something that the uh, the Buffalo executive are hiding, um, yeah. which I don't think it's a great strategy because coming in the, in the next season, if Eichel doesn't want, doesn't want to play to Buffalo, what is he going to do? He's going to hang out a like that, that, that's um <laughs> I, I don't think that's a good decision. I think that the Buffalo Sabers uh, GM is had a terrible summer um, and. I think you gotta go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's one of those. I mean, we see it in other sports as well. Um, predominantly in 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 sports like football, because the players tend to have more sway than the GMs do anyway, or the or the managers and the owners do, depending on the sport. But yeah, it was an interesting one. It's a it's a bit of a non news story because in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter it, what happens with that? But to strip him of his captaincy as well. They either think he's going to be out for a long time, or like you said, there's obviously some bad blood and it's, it's a bit of a message. So um, it'd be interesting to see how that story develops. Um, the other other story is around uh, Malkin. So he, obviously he's now going to miss two months of the regular season. He had knee surgery in the off season. It's taken him a little while longer to recover. So he's going to be out for about two months. I think now that we're back to an 82-game season and touch wood, that we is an eighty-two game season, um, then yeah, exactly. We don't want any more, no more impacting, no more reduced seasons that mess around with all the stats. We just want eighty-two games, uh, you know, and back to what we love. So, two months sounds like a long time, but across eighty-two games, the Peng- Penguins will feel it. Of course, they will. But it's it's not the end of the world, is it? But it's just interesting that he's he's obviously recovering from that. Um, I would, I would have thought two months and he'll be back. And, you know, like you said, I mean, Sidney Crosby's still there. They've still got so many big guns that they should be fine. 
Yeah, they definitely should be fine, but in my opinion, like maybe this this surgery and like this injury for Malkin, maybe that's like part of the end of his career because you know he had a um, notable year last year. He was he wasn't playing like the Malkin we used to see, and uh, yeah, he, but he was briefly injured. That, that's what we we heard. But was it the uh, reason he underperformed that much in the playoff last year? Uh, I hope so. I hope so because if it is not, I think Malkin is going to be uh, on the downside for the next couple of years. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I can I can agree. I, I think when he, he is, we were talking about this on the on the previous episode because obviously Pittsburgh was was part of the Metro that we were covering. But he's he is at that age. We saw it with, with and I know he's slightly older, but we've seen it with other players where they've tried to come back from Seabrook was the same. Had his hip surgery, tried to come back, just couldn't, and you know, and he ended up not playing again. So, um, I think hopefully Malkin does return. I'm sure he will, but you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, two, I guess, really small pieces of news. Uh, one that's slightly biased from my side, but uh, Kraken released their jerseys, uh, and they they became the fastest selling jerseys of all time. Um, and obviously breaking NHL records in the process, which is not a surprise because most fans have been waiting to buy them for about two years. So <laughs> no surprise on the 15th of September, whenever it was, when they went live, sad people like myself bought both home and away. So it had to be done. Um, but, you know, look, I, I think it's it's not, I say, it's not a shock. The fan yeah. base looks like really got behind that team quick, which which is great. Yeah, let's be honest. Those jerseys are sick. Like, I really <laughs> like the design. I really like the design. I think the Kraken logos is like one of one of my favorite in the NHL. Mm. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what they do with the arena. Whether they go mm. all out Vegas and make it a real spectacle because yeah, they, they should do. Because if, if Vegas proved anything, it is that hockey can be like an event. It just it's not just sport. It can be an event. So. Um, yeah, we'll see that. And we also saw last bit of news, but we also saw uh, some preseason action, um, including the Canadians who played. Is it last night or the night before? Uh, last night, yeah. Yeah, what was the score? Yeah. Oh, it was a four-one Maple Leafs. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just a preliminary game, so I'm 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 not too worried about it. But yeah, as um as a kind of journalist and uh, reporting the Montreal Canadiens, I was working um this morning so i had to watch the game entirely and like see the whole points <laughs> and all that was so painful that was so painful like the first period was um was really bad and the second period mm. got better and the third period was the best period but honestly i really i i'm really hyped for this season because mm. um because we saw like the uh, the playoffs and the Stanley Cup, and there was a lot of plays, and the Montreal Canadiens were playing really good, and now we see this. Okay, <laughs> I'll stop. I stop. I'll, I'll, I can talk about it in thirty minutes. <laughs> but like you said, it's a it's a preseason game, so yeah. if and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pick on your journalistic skills here. So if there was one takeaway from that game, what what would it be? Oh, honestly. Um... I'd say the whole, the whole like third line, fourth lines, they, they were really bad. They were really bad. I, I think <laughs> those guys got to go to the AHL, to the ACHL ASAP. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was it? It was. I guess it was pre- predominantly the younger guys playing anyway. It wasn't. Yeah, younger guys or um, older guys that, that got their first chance in the NHL. A guy that had never played in the LHL, AHL, and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and then, you know, Bergevin got a lot of uh, guys from Quebec this year, so he's trying a lot of guys. And uh, yeah, but uh, th- there was one guy in part in part in particular. I think his name Baudin, something like that. I never seen a guy so lost on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Holy! I, well, I, I'm the only Baudin I can think of is. Um, the one who was playing for, I think he was playing at Winnipeg. Yeah, I, I think he played for the Senators too, a little bit too. Mm. Now, I want to say it's Nicolas Baudin, but I, I could be oh, wrong. Oh, no, no, so. it's, it's not. It's uh, Jean-Christophe, I think. Oh, so young. Okay, okay. Yeah. There you go. Well, look, it's a name to probably forget because from what you, you've, you just said, that he's never going to make it. So it's oh, fine. No, we, no we chance. We don't need to know that guy's name. So it's all no right. We'll, we'll scratch him from the history books. Um, but there we go. Cool, right. So that ends the news. Okie dokie. So right, let's go into our, our main bits of the reason why we were, we're doing today's podcast. As I said at the beginning, we're breaking down the divisions. So we're breaking them down one by one. And for each one of the divisions, we're going to be looking at their last season's results. Uh, their off-season moves, both in free agency and trades, uh, their playoff chances this season, and then what one thing needs to happen for them to be successful, or if we're looking at it, what do they need to do to class this season as a successful year? Excuse me. So, right, let's get straight into it. And our first one, which is going to be my... Uh, the, the, the the team that has been quite talked about on other podcasts that we've done, uh, the Arizona Coyotes. So before I start ranting again, let's go through their stats. So last season, they were 24, 26 and 6. Okay, that's not that bad, which is going to be a point I'll raise in a minute. So 24, 26 and 6. They weren't a million miles away from the playoffs, but they didn't make the postseason. They got rid of their GM and brought in Bill Armstrong, who was the assistant GM at St. Louis uh, before joining on the 20th of September. Uh, and then his first action, like a year later, because that was, 20, that was September 2020, uh, in July 2021, he hired his first head coach as well. Uh, who again, it's a head coach who's not a seasoned veteran. Um, I want to pronounce his name right here. And I did actually write his name down so I would pronounce it right. But I want to say it's Torini or it's pronounced like that. Um, but he is, uh, and this is where I'm, I'm not going to try and put on a French accent when I do it because <laughs> it'll be awful. But he's come in, <clears throat> he's worked with junior teams. He's worked on the international uh, arena, um, but he's never managed or head coached, or even assistant coach, if I'm if I'm right, anybody in the NHL. So he's literally gone from minor leagues and 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 obviously the juniors in terms of the international space straight into the NHL. So that's quite a a bold move from Armstrong in his first uh, in his first year as as GM. But we'll see if it works in terms of additions and subtractions. There's quite a lot to go through. Um, but we'll skim over the subtractions first because the um, additions are maybe not quite as quite as sexy. So 
Connor Garland left. Uh, OEL, so Oliver Ekman Larson, he left. Darcy Kemper out the door. Goligoski out the door. Hajarmason retired. Derek Broussard gone. Um, a few others, but Christian Dvorak, obviously part of the trade to Montreal after the uh, offer sheet, but we won't talk about the offer sheet. Don't worry, Max, I'm not going to bring it up. You're okay. Uh, and uh, Anthony Ranta left as well. So why lose one goalie when you can lose two? Uh, and then in terms of the key additions, pretty much nothing to talk about other than horrific contracts. Uh, just to name, let's just let's name a few contracts here. And, and, and this is why, for me, Arizona are currently the graveyard of the NHL because they <laughs> took on Louis Erickson's contract, Andrew Ladd's contract, Anton Roussel's contract, Jay Beagle's contract. I mean, that's pretty much the three worst contracts from Vancouver. They just ate them all. Uh, Ryan Dezingle was, was a free agent that they took on. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. He's got one year left, I think. Um, or they signed him on a one-year deal. Uh, Shane Gostisbehere. Now, he obviously, technically, he isn't just a contract. He's going to play, as I'm sure will Anton Roussel and Jay Beagle. But mm-hmm. uh, Connor Timmins is probably the only plus in that column for me. Uh, and then they took on Carter Hutton who, whilst having a few good seasons, was diabolical the last two years. Um, So I could go on about it for ages, but what's your thoughts, Max, in terms of Arizona's off-season and then the moves that they've made? I mean, you got Louis Rickson, so they're good for the cup. <laughs> no, no, for for real. Uh, I think it's really like they're really going for the first pick and uh, for the upcoming years. It's going to be terrible mm-hmm. in Arizona. Um, I'm kind of sad for Clayton Keller. I mean, he, he kind of like like um, not so I bad agree. team, but not that great with him. But I think they really. I I, I was kind of surprised with uh, the moves they did like the this summer, like the the whole reconstruction and they're really rebuilding the team from the bottom and mm. that's interesting and like you said like the coach i don't think it's a great idea too because if you're going to have a lot of um because when you're rebuilding a team there's going to be a lot of young players in your in your team and uh you need like a coach with experience that's that, that that's um proven that's proven yeah like mm. um you, you see it with many coaches um with young player, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. Like you see, uh, Dusham uh, last year, uh, he, he was mm. he, he came into the into the um, into the Habs locker room, but there was already some leaders in the, rock, the locker room. Um, who's your leader when um, Ekman Larson is gone and Jan Marsen is gone and all those guys are gone? Who's gonna be your leader in the in the locker room? And mm-hmm. something more important, who's gonna be motivated to play in Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, yeah, and one of the arguments that I've had back is, you know, look, I've been pretty open about the Arizona organization. I, I don't dislike it. I dislike its direction. Let me just be clear on that. Um, I love its direction in terms of journey jerseys and logo. I think that the Kachina logo and the two jerseys that they've now got next year are fantastic. Um, that's about the only good decision that I think they've made in the last 24 months. Just to put some context around this, right? Before, this is a, this is my well thought out argument here. Okay, so they were 24, 26, and six. The Blackhawks were 24, 25, and seven. Okay, so give or take, they were pretty much same seasons. Now you can argue about players and, all, and where they are in their process and everything, but it feels like 
Arizona's the sort of person where they were in a house and they needed one more bedroom, but rather than extending the house to have a new bedroom, they just demolished the whole house and said, if I, <laughs> let's build a new one that has four bedrooms because I've only got three. And you think, that's fine. And, and, then, and then the argument back is, but they've got loads of picks. Okay, okay, let, let's break down their picks then. Because they haven't got that many. They've got three first-round picks next year. But those three first-round picks are Arizona's, which probably will be in the top three. Let's be honest. This team is arguably the only fight they've got all year is between Buffalo as who can be the worst organization in the NHL. That's the, that's their fight for the year. Um, so they're probably in the top three in terms of their pick. Okay, get that. Fair, fair enough. The next two first-round picks they have is Colorado's. Well, that's likely to be pick 32 because they've won the President's Trophy the last two years in a row. And the other one is Montreal's or Carolina's. And the stipulation is it has to be the worst one of the two. So it will be the lower one of either one. So more than likely, being that Carolina and Montreal both made the playoffs last year, that that pick is going to be in the back half of the first round. So people are thinking, yeah, but they're going to get like three Austin Matthews. Like, No, they're not. They're going to get a first top three pick who next year... Let's be honest, it could be Shane Wright or it could not be Shane Wright because they might get the third overall pick and then you're picking somebody else. Okay, look, there's loads of good people in the draft coming up. I know that, but that's one pick. That's one player, okay? One person proven by Edmonton, who's going to, we're going to cover on the next one, but proven by Edmonton, one player does not make a team. Then they've got five second round picks. But again, just for the sake of hammering this argument home, other than their own, it's the Islanders. That's a playoff pick. Philadelphia, that's a playoff pick. San Jose, okay, that'll be pretty high up. And Vancouver, okay, that's more likely to be a wildcard pick if their season goes the way they want it to go. And we'll cover them next week. But so I just feel like, I mean, maybe this is the, you know, when you bring a new GM in, he's going to want to put his own stamp on things. And I, and I get that. But every single one of these pre-shows that we've done, we've talked about how important the goalie position is. And they had Kemper, and Kemper's not that old. They had Ranta, who, okay, slightly older. And they got rid of both. Like, if they're good next year, who's in goal? Like, Carter Hutton's not a solution. And they don't really have anybody in, in the wings that's proven. A couple, but not really. And I'm pretty certain, and I'll just double-check now, given that I've got uh, Cap Friendly already open, but... Uh, I think they lost Aiden Hill as well. So their their goalie tandem for next year is Carter Hutton and Joseph Coronar, who I can honestly say I haven't got a clue who he is. So, <laughs> like, like, I don't want. I think I I think I had him like in my H- AHL team in the NHL twenty one. But... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did did he become Marc oh, no. Andre Fleury? No, I, I no, don't okay. think so. I don't think so. <laughs> Darcy Kemper, obviously the injury was difficult for him last year. And when he came back from his injury, he was awful. But ignoring that, he's been plus 915, 920 save percentage for the last couple of years. He's been fantastic. And the defence he's had in front of him has been awful. So if I like you, you mentioned Clayton Keller, and I completely agree with you. If I'm Clayton Keller, I'm sat there thinking, like, how long is this going to take? Because I'm I'm in my twenties. This is my peak time. 
Because say it takes five years to build Arizona back up. Clayton Keller's five years older. Arguably, then he's at the point where, like, he's the wrong end of the career to to be starting with a with a, a rebuild team. But yeah, it's. I don't get it. I'll make it. I'll make it as, as simple as that. I don't get it. I feel like it was it was too much, too quick, too soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. And you know, I really think the the trade the trading Ekman Larson was really bad decision. Even though like they, they were talking about trading him and all that stuff, if you mm-hmm. want to have like a rebuild, make sure to have some veterans uh, between like the young guys. That's I agree. That, that's a key part. I mean, look at look at the Rangers and the way they did it. You know, they were very clever, very methodical. They picked players they wanted to keep, players they didn't. You know, you know, look where they are now. So, yeah, okay, that's Arizona. So playoff chances, uh, we've summed that up as none whatsoever. So I think that's fair. You know, they are like we said, they're going to be in the hunt for the first overall pick. Uh, so next up is a team that I'll try and be unbiased on, which is the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, as I said, last season, 24, 25 and 7. So didn't make the playoffs either. Had a good start to the season, um, but fell away at the back end and really struggled without um, a couple of big names. Obviously, I think Jonathan Taves was was the biggest loss last season, but they also lost Kirby Dak during the year as well. And that lack of depth through the centre really, really, really made it a, a long uh, season for them, even though it was shortened. Um, in terms of the key additions, they got Tyler Johnson from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they took, obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury in a trade which um, sent Vegas absolutely potty. Um, and ironically, the person they traded for, Marc-Andre Fleury, was, had his contract cancelled from the Vegas like three weeks later. So they literally got him for nothing. Um, Seth Jones was the big off-season move. Obviously, lots of parts involved with that. A couple of first-round picks and Adam Bockvist going the other way. Um, Caleb Jones came in as well. So you've got the Jones brothers uh, in Chicago now. Um, and Jake McCarby as well was brought in. In terms of the subtractions, they lost P.S. Suter. He went to Detroit. Duncan Keith obviously went to Edmonton. Uh, David Kampf ended up in Toronto. And Nikita Zadorov um I have a feeling that he ended up in Ottawa, but I can't. I can't remember. So he was that right? There you go. I was paying attention. Good. Okay. So, um, I, I, I could, you know, I'll, I'll go on after yourself. But what's your thoughts, Max, in terms of Chicago's off season, and what do you think in terms of their chances for for twenty twenty one twenty two? Well, it's copper bust for them. I think with the Seth Jones move, it is really copper bust move. I think mm-hmm. they're, they're they're really. Uh, looking to make it happen one last time before like the 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 older core uh, retire guys like Taves and Kane are, are really maybe Kane Kane is still in his prime but you know guys like Taves are gonna get older and older and same mm-hmm. for Mark Andre Fleury I mean like he's uh, he's really at near the end of his career so it's really copper bust for them uh, giving on how much how much they gave for Seth Jones. Uh, you see, like if if you look at the future, like there's the Brincat, Kubelik, guys like that. But uh, otherwise, I think they're really they're really looking to make it happen one last time. And mm. they made some good additions. I mean, I'm looking right now at the lineup on the daily faceoff, and honestly, that that top six looks really great. 
you, you got like the Brincat, Taves, Kane, then Kubelik, and uh, Kirby Deck. That, that's that's a really good top six. Is it good enough to win the cup? I don't think so, though. So this yeah, is really, yeah, yeah. It, like you said, I, I think it's going to be more like a wild card race and maybe try to um, surprise some teams in the playoff. But otherwise, yeah. I think I'm not. I'm. I was not a big fan of the Seth Jones move, and I know a lot of um, Chicago Blackhawks fan weren't fan uh, weren't really uh, uh, amused by the deal. Uh, Boquist mm-hmm. is a really promising defenseman, and the fact that he gave so much first round pick for that, I'm not fan of the deal. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, like you said, it, it was a very cup or bust move, very Bowman esque move, by the way. Stan Bowman's been pretty consistent throughout yeah. his tenure. Like he doesn't mind making the big trades; like he'll do that, and um, he he really wants to kind of capitalize on the window, even if it, even if it's at the cost, I guess, of um, of future. Kind of Blackhawk success. It's more about winning now, and uh, the moves for Flurry, Jones, Johnson as well, because Tyler Johnson's contract's not exactly a very nice one. It's not too long, so you can live with it. But um, it's it's one where they it's it's just trying to bolster that team. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Dylan Strome leave the Blackhawks over the next kind of two or three months. I, d- I don't see his future there, but I think that centerpiece is going to be Taves, Dak. And probably Johnson is as your, as your three, um, and then you'll see that mid that kind of bottom line guy changing around. The surprising thing for me, and when Flurry first went to Chicago, my first thought was, "Bang, this makes them a playoff team." And I think it, it makes them a wild card team with Flurry on his own because he's that kind of he's that kind of player. Like we were talking about locker room guys, and and you know everything I've seen from Vegas, all the kind of behind the scenes stuff, Flurry. Stone, Reeves, these are all guys that are larger than life on the ice, but they're larger than life in the locker room as well. And that really helps when you've got younger guys as well and they've got their kind of idols there. You know, they're, they're going to listen to him. As, as good as, as Lank the Tank was last year in goal and, and Kevin Lankinen came in and with no NHL experience and for large portions of seasons had a safe percentage that was in the top five in the league. Um He's not going to command the same respect from a defensive core that Flurry would, so it does make you better instantly. And look, when Flurry is, he's a Vesna winner, right? So his age has never been a barrier for him. It will become one, of course, as it is to everybody. But um, I think my issue with with the Blackhawks and the reason why I'm probably not on the bandwagon of them being Stanley Cup champions yet is I looked at the defensive lines and I kind of felt like ah, we're still missing somebody and I don't know who that is yet but when I looked at the 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 projected kind of six you've got Calvin DeHaan you've got Connor Murphy you know I love those two as as shut down pairing defensemen great you bottom pairing that would be kids so it doesn't matter but then you've got kind of Seth Jones and it's projected that that's going to be Maccabe is going to play as a as a as a number two D-man and I thought he's not a number two D-man he's number five six at best so I, I mean, maybe I'm giving Jake a hard time here, but I, I just don't see him being a top-line defensive player. So I feel like they're still missing, like, and that would have been Bockfist, right? That obviously would have been him. And there isn't really anybody, anybody else in the Blackhawks organization who can do that. They've got, obviously, their own Bodan, and they've got Mitchell, who maybe will break in this year more than they did last. But 
that's that's a lot of pressure on a young kid. So I think if Taves stays fit, and that's a big if because obviously he had um, a pretty bad illness over the last 12, 18 months, um, and one that's not something that he could physically control. It's kind of out of his control. That's kind of uh, immune system illness. Um, and But if he stays fit, Patrick Kane's still a legend. Um, De Brinkier, they're, they're going to make, I think they'll make the, the wildcard race, but there's so many good teams in the West that it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, but I don't see them lifting the cup. And I'm saying that as somebody who spent all of his life before I defected to Seattle as a Chicago fan. And I <laughs> still don't see them lifting the cup. Not this year. Yeah. Same. I, I I think there's a tendency right now in the NHL where the GM doesn't look like to have the best defense, um, but they have a big defense. You know, uh, mm. Seth Jones is a big guy. Uh, Connor Murphy is not a really big guy too. Um, mm-hmm. I I think Wyatt Kalinuk is pretty is pretty big too. They're gonna think to to have like big defense because in the playoffs, um, they're basically looking for guys that can. Um, clear the uh, how do we call call that in English? I have the word in French, but like get, <laughs> cl- clear the crease. You know, they're, they're, yes. yeah. yeah, like uh, like like we saw with Montreal uh, during this playoff. There's gonna be like Cherut, the guys like Cherut, Edmondson, Weber. They only got double checked guys in the in the back and trying to just clear the crease. And I mm-hmm. think that's what Chicago is trying to do. Um, that's a that's a bold strategy in my opinion but yeah, yeah. It, it, it could definitely work out because you know with Mark and Fleury if you just clear the crease most of shots are going to be saved anyway like the, the crease is going to be the most dangerous um, area for him but if you mm-hmm. clear it Mark and Fleury is going to take care of the rest yeah I, I agree and you know I, th- I think the question with an off season is always did you get better And yeah. even if you don't like the Seth Jones moves, because I think they gave up a lot as well. So the, the question isn't, did you get value for money? Because I think that that's probably a no. But did the Seth Jones move make the Blackhawks better? The answer is, is definitely yes, it did. And obviously the Fleury move, the Johnson move. Like the Blackhawks are a stronger team in 2021-22 than they were last year. Um, and I just think it's hilarious because, as I said, their, their, last, their season stats last year was almost identical to Arizona but the two teams are just and that's the difference between having a GM who is confident in his group of players and thinks they can win now whether he's right or wrong it doesn't really matter he, he believes they can and a GM who decided that he wanted to uh, just completely destroy the lot so there you go that is the Chicago Blackhawks so next up is the Colorado Avalanche these are the team to beat. So 39-13-4. and four. So yes, it was a shortened season, but you know, those are some damn good stats. Present trophy winners, so they topped the league, but they got knocked out in the second round to the Vegas Golden Knights uh, in a fantastic series, by the way. That series was awesome. Um, but it was telling with Nathan McKinnon's post-series uh, conference that the frustration of being so good in the league, but then so, well, not bad in the playoffs, but getting stuck in the playoffs year after year is starting to get to their stars. They're starting to now feel like they're hitting that wall every year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Biggest moves, probably on the subtractions front, like the 
the Colorado Avalanche have been very quiet this offseason, but they've been very quiet in probably not a good way. So Jonas Donskoy left, Brandon Saad left, Ryan Graves left, Connor Timmins left, obviously went to Arizona, uh, and Philip Grubauer left as well. And and Philip Grubauer was the one that surprised me the most because I expected Donskoy to leave because I knew that Seattle were going to take him, but I didn't expect Grubauer to not sign with them. Um, they obviously brought in Darcy Kemper, so they, in my opinion, they, they sorted out the question of have they got good goaltending? Because if Kemper's fit, then the answer is yes, they do. Um, and they got Ryan Murray on that for, from a defensive addition. But I don't think, you know, answering that, asking that question, did they come back better? I don't think they're better, but I don't think they particularly needed to be better. I think what they need to do is sort out to be stronger. So they, they need to make sure that they're not a one-line team. Um, we need to see more scoring from from the lines that don't have Nathan McKinnon on it. But uh, what's, what's your thoughts in terms of Colorado Avalanche and, and their offseason? Yeah, I mean, they they definitely didn't come out better from the offseason. Like, they, they're really... I, I think they're the worst team there than they were. But uh, it's not that bad for them because they were already really good. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think... For the Colorado Avalanche, it's not it's not about being good in the season this year. Uh, doesn't matter if you don't want the President Trophy. It's all about yeah. being good in the playoffs. Uh, and I personally, I don't think the Avalanche got a has got a team built for playoffs. There, mm-hmm. there's especially this year. I think it's gonna be way harder uh, with Donsko and Sad leaving. I think this is gonna affect their depth, and they're gonna be more more uh, more a one-line team than it were uh, in the past and mm-hmm. I think honestly Ryan Murray's addition is just like to uh, patch a little bit the Ryan Graves trade <laughs> but yeah. honestly it's it's just it will be all about the first line and maybe the second line a little bit Kadri and all but it's all about the first line again for them and I think there's gonna be moves to make because okay yes you have a really good first line you have Landis Granton and McKinnon the best in my opinion the best first line in the league but if you don't have depth on the other team like when your first line is on the ice you won't you won't you won't score like you will score a few but like I, I need I think I saw in um I think it is I saw like the percentage of, of goals uh, coming from the uh, first line um mm-hmm. compared to the other lines and it's actually rid- ridiculous i don't it have is. it in my head but it, it is ridiculous and it is yeah like i think avalanche is playoff bound but for me this year this is a first round exit and that's where <laughs> it's gonna yeah yeah that's my hot take <laughs> that's my hot yeah. take this year uh, first round exit for the <laughs> Wow, <laughs> I am. Yeah. I've got all the tools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's the first round exit for the Colorado Avalanche, and that's where it's gonna it's gonna change for them. They're gonna make some big change. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> so I I I struggle to disagree with some of those points because when you look at the first line scoring, um, you're right that their their first line has a ridiculous percentage of the goals, and then the top goal scorers below. Those three, or that line, is Brandon Saad, who left, and Jonas Donskoy, 
who left. So <laughs> they've they've got like I think it's I think somebody worked. I think it's plus you're talking plus kind of twenty five thirty goals that they're going to need to fill um, somewhere else, and they didn't bring anybody in, so it's not easy for them to do that. So the people like Newhook, this all again, it's going to fall on the young guys. But Newhook's going to have to play better. We're going to have to see some uh, some goals from him. But yeah, they, they feel to me very much like the Washington Capitals did before they won their cup, which is in the season they're great, but in the playoffs they're just kind of cursed. Um, and even though they didn't make many moves, I have this feeling that we're going to see a big, big, big kind of trade deadline for these guys if they're, if they're you know presuming they don't absolutely go to pot if they're still fighting for a playoff spot then I think 100% they will uh, they will make some moves because again like we said on the Chicago asking that question is this team better they're not and they haven't addressed the issues that they had last year so um, yeah we'll see we'll see what happens to the avalanche but they will be in the playoffs I think that is 100% yeah, guaranteed yeah. they are too good I just look on daily face of they really have a great defense though. Do we 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 can say that they have a great defense and Kamikaze immense. Yeah, but it's all about their bottom six. Bottom six is not enough. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. So next up is the Dallas Stars. Obviously, we talked about the Dallas Stars at uh, the beginning of the podcast with their uh, with their interesting comment that was made around gambling, but um, he's obviously got shares in Bet365. Um, but uh, so in terms of last season, 23, 19 and 14. So they did make the playoffs. And what was weird for Dallas is that it was on the back of the season where they made the final and very nearly won the Stanley Cup. Uh, obviously coming up against Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay are the steamroller of the NHL. So, you know, we all know how that ended. In terms of their off-season, now, technically, their additions were Luke Glendening, Braden Holtby, and Ryan Suter. But in reality, on top of that list, they've got Ben Bishop and they've got Taylor Sagan, who who both are players that didn't play last year, or for not very much anyway, in, in the case of Sagan. So they're going to feel like new additions to the team because they, they literally went all 50-odd games without them. Um, they lost Dickinson, Alexiak, and Cogliano. Um, but I... I, I all three of those, personally, you know, Alexiak obviously went to Seattle, but they got Suter. Holtby, I think, is a great kind of piece to throw in just in case Ben Bishop isn't fit. And Glenn Denning is, you know, is, is, a, is you know, we're talking about bottom six and, and clearing the crease and being that kind of tough uh, all-round playoff guy. I think Glenn Denning does that. So I like the moves. Um, they didn't really have to make any because I think Bishop and Sagan on their own turns this team back to being a playoff bound team in my opinion and what's yours max on on Dallas stars i mean definitely i think like yeah second play like two games i think in the season that that's it that's uh, right like, yeah. yeah so it's it's it was really about second not being this year this year otherwise they will be a 100 a playoff team um like you said there was not a lot of move to make uh for them it's really about bishop and second and uh, i liked say that Jason Robertson is a really good prospect for this team. Uh, mm. He had a huge season, huge rookie season, I think, last year. It was a rookie season. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was a rookie season. Yeah, so for him, he's going to progress. And playing with uh, guys like Sagan and uh, 
who's gonna like, yeah but playing with like a Sege and Pavelski yeah, yeah that, that's gonna be great for him uh, he's an elite goal scorer and playing with uh, a guy like Sege uh, Pavelski Radulov and guys like that it's gonna be really good for him and I think it can really be a key part of the success of the team in the next couple of years yeah yeah no, I, I, I like I really like the Dallas Stars and um I'm kind of torn because I don't really want them to do well because I think if they do well, it probably knocks out <laughs> Chicago. But um, the they are there's a reason that they they got where they got in the year before, and you know it's not easy to lose someone like Sagan. He scores a lot of their goals. He's a you know, he's a big player. I think they need to, we still need to see more from people like Jamie Ben, um, but. There's a lot to like about that team, and they've got a good little mix of between the veterans and the young guys. They've almost like they've quietly gone about building this this team. I mean, having you know, high skin and stuff in the defense as well. Like they've got some really really standout players. Other than Makar, you've got to say that he's one of, if not the, um, standout defensive prospect in the league at the moment. You know, so and deserve that contract that he got. So, yeah, I like the Dallas Stars. I, th- I think they'll make the playoffs. I put wild card here because. Um, because I don't want them to make the playoffs, but yeah. I, I, I think they will make them, uh, and I think they will be a, a force in the playoffs as well, like they were last year. So, especially with Ryan Suter, Ryan Suter has been a really great addition, and I, mm-hmm. uh, from what I'm looking on daily faceoff right now, they're pairing him with Klingberg. So you're gonna have like Eskenen, Lindell, and then Klingberg and Suter. That's pretty good. That's, it's a good that's pretty good top four. Yeah, that's a good top four. Um, and. And Suter, you know, like he was playing well for Wild last year. He didn't. I mean, this is a team that made the playoffs. We're going to talk about Wild in a minute, but um, you know, Suter wasn't playing badly. I understand why Wild did it um, and why they they bought those guys out. And and look, you know, we'll we'll talk about them in a second. But Stars believe in him, and they they gave him a multi year deal as well. So Suter's not been brought in to kind of he's not patchwork just for a year. You know, they 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 believe that he can be an important part of their defense both this year, next year, and the year afterwards. So, um, yeah, let's see. Let's see how they get on. Okay, so moving along, we are at uh, the Minnesota Wild. So a team that surprised everybody last season, um, expected to be a, uh, well, let's be honest, they were expected to do nothing um, after the year they had before. Then they go on this crazy uh, streak, end up winning 35 games. Okay, now compare that to Colorado, who we were talking about a minute ago, who I believe won maybe 39 or something. This was a great season for Minnesota. Um, unfortunately, they hit uh, the other steamroller in the playoffs, which is the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, losing to them in the first round. Um, but lots to like about that. Then the offseason came, and that's where everything started to go kind of down a different path. So we saw Ryan Suter bought out, Zach Parise was bought out. They lost Nick Benino. Uh, Ian Cole left as well. Um, so lots of players that were probably the wrong end of the age scale for Minnesota. But let's be honest, they were all very big pieces as to why they had that record they had last season. Even if maybe not so much in terms of scores and points and all that kind of good stuff. Um, not much to talk about in the additions side. Goligoski and Kulikov were the two signings, um, which aren't really going to rock anybody's world. Um, the big off-season story was all about Kaprizov and would they get him signed? They did. Um, it's a big deal. Uh, some may argue that he's a big deal, but he, it was $9 million a year 
for four years, I think, or five. It might be four. Um, I'll have to check on Cap Friendly whilst we're talking. But it was nine million a year. I know that as much for a guy who's had one season in the NHL, and that season was fifty-six games or fifty or whatever. So um, that was a bold move by them. Very, very bold. What's your thoughts, Max? Uh, Minnesota Wild, both off-season chances. You know, where, where, where's your thoughts with them? Honestly, that's not a bad off-season. Like they got better at defense, which was their main main problem, and I, mm. I think so. And it's only gonna get better for them because, um, you know, they like you said, like Ryan Suter, Zach Parise, they're all they're all gone. So that's a lot of money that there's gonna. That they can put in other players, and uh, they they got a lot of great great prospects uh, coming up. Uh, guys mm-hmm. like Matt Boldy can make uh, may, maybe make um, his his first year in the NHL. Um, for from what I saw uh, at the camp uh, as of right now, yeah, he, he's he's got a lot better than he was, and maybe he's gonna maybe he's gonna earn a spot this year. But once again, no, it's it's yeah. like um it's it's like the kind of uh, prospect that can really put this team on another level once he develops into a great player. He's got them some elite playmaking abilities, and I think it's gonna be really interesting to see him with uh, with the Kaprizov. I yeah. I really hope to see it this year because I I don't know if you've seen like the Matt Boldy highlights and all that stuff, but yeah, <laughs> they're really good, really good prospect, and he is. it's it's a really good young team uh, that have um really what they need to win that's pretty much it you know i really like their defense i, I think it's one of the great defense I, I maybe not like the top six with john mariel <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's a really good team yeah and and the the buyouts really help them this season it's it's a yeah. bit of a anchor after that so the buyouts this season cost minnesota four million next season it cost them 12 then it costs them 14 and 14, and then it goes down to 1 million. So it is going to be quite a big cap hit for them the next three years. Um, but hey, look, if they want to trade the contracts, uh, well, no, they can't because it's too late. So um, they're going to have to live with that. But it's so they are going to feel the pain of that. And it was five years for Krill Caprizov for, for, for 9 million a year, which is, which is a massive, massive investment. Um, but like you said, there is a lot to like about their team. I think defensively, you kind of forget people like Dumba, um, but they've got Dumba, Brodeen, you know, Spurs, Goligoski is there now as well. And they, they have got quite a strong team. So, again, personally, I think they're in the wildcard race. Could they be better than that? That depends on Kaprizov. This is such a big year for him because that contract, if he, if he plays like he did last season, that contract looks like the deal of the century. If he doesn't, that contract looks like a horrendous mistake uh, and would be very hard to move. So it's you need to see him perform. And like you said, people like Boldy and, and a few others in their team as well. Um, Greenway may be an argument on him. We will need to see more from him. Um, but they, they're moving in the right direction. And I think that's what Minnesota fans can be proud of and happy with is they're moving in the right direction they've kind of got all of the right pieces there like you said the defense is strong the goaltenders cam talbot i thought that was a great signing last season played fantastic obviously they've got kakanen as well behind him he's got his last year of his elc um so he's still there very cheap um, which is nice uh you know they've got some good good nice pieces it's a tough division the central 
There's a lot of good players in it, uh, good teams in it. But um, yeah, there's a lot to like about Minnesota Wild. And I wouldn't be surprised if they don't make the playoffs again this season. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough, tough division, this one, because we are however many teams, I think five down. And other than Arizona, you've pretty much got all teams that are more than likely going to make or, or be in that playoff hunt. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one for Minnesota, but they've got, they're going Definitely. the right way. Like uh, of all the teams we talk, I think there was only Arizona that was in a really like playoff bound <laughs> or a wildcard race. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's going to be an interesting division. Yeah, exactly. A bad year for them to get moved out of the uh, out of the Pacific, but never mind. <laughs> right. So <laughs> this is another Ian's going to rant team. So last season for the Nashville Predators, who is the next team in our list. 31, 23, and 2. Nashville had the weirdest season. Remembering the season was shortened, even in a shortened season, they still managed to have two seasons. So they had the beginning of the year where they were just horrific. I mean, they were so bad that people were kind of sat there going, what the hell's happened to Nashville? They need to blow it all up. You know, a bit like Arizona have done. They need to trade everybody, get rid of everything. That team's done. Ryan Johansson's just a waste of money, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly, you know, the, the players must have all been sat in the locker room and gone, guys, should we start playing now? And then they did. And then the second half of that season, they were immense. They made the playoffs, which wasn't easy. They were in a tough division. Uh, they got knocked out to the Carolina Hurricanes because, unfortunately, they ended up on the right-hand side of the uh, playoff um, tree. Uh, and but, they, but to be honest, it was I believe it was either a sixth or seventh game. Like They... they they didn't get smashed by Carolina. Carolina, a really, really good team. Uh, and we're a good team last season. So Nashville had a pretty good season. Um, and then the offseason happens. And I, I remember, like, there, there's certain things that happen in your life where you remember where you were when it happened. <laughs> and and I was sat there and I looked at my phone and this thing popped up saying trade alert. And I was like, well, okay, what's that? Click on it and it says Ryan Ellis. And I was thinking, okay, so where's he gone? And... <laughs> He went to Philadelphia and I was thinking, oh, that's bizarre because not only did they only sign Ryan Ellis to a very, very long, very well-priced contract, I think two years ago, um, they got some stuff back for him. Okay, get that. Uh, Philip Myers being part of that deal. Um, But how does that make you better? And then they traded Victor Arvidsson. They didn't re-sign Pekka Rene, obviously. Um, he, He retired. Um, they lost Jan Kroc in the expansion draft. Um, and they got in David Rittich. Yep. Okay. They got in Philip Myers. Yeah, okay, great. And they got in Cody Glass. And Cody Glass is the only bit of this entire thing that I like. Because I think the Patrick deal where they ended up getting Cody Glass works. But to get Cody Glass, they had to give up Ryan Ellis. Because Cody Glass and Philip Myers were both in that trade. Um, so... I just have no idea what on earth Nashville are doing. Like, again, ask the question, did they get better this offseason? No, they did not. They got worse. Ryan Ellis was a top two, arguably one of the top 10 defenders in the league. Great for Philadelphia, by the way, as we said on our breakdown. But top 10 defender in the league, they get rid of him. They get Cody Glass, Philip Myers and a pick. Great. I mean... What I, I I've got no I've got no words I have no idea that's, what they're doing I really don't 
that really looks like a soft rebuilding, but I don't know this is if this is like the the the, the thing that you need to do. Like a mm -hmm. soft rebuilding when you're you, I mean it's kind of like um they, they kind of did like Arizona, but in a worse way. Because Arizona, you know, they blow it up. They they gave they gave all the their yeah. players give me give him picks. But they didn't do this in Nashville. They 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 got picks for uh, Ellis and stuff like that. But it it looks like a soft rebuilding, getting Cody Glass and young guys, uh, like um, uh, yeah yeah, you pretty much kill Cody Glass and stuff like that. I it it is a soft rebuilding, and I don't think it's a it's a solution in Nashville because they're gonna end up like maybe near the wild card race, but they're yep. definitely not making the playoff with this team. And okay. I think it's gonna be their their um uh, the, the early part of the season is gonna be determining for them because I think Forsberg is gonna go somewhere else. That, that that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and and like you know, we were talking about Arizona and all the picks that they have. Well, here's the picks that Nashville have over the next three years. Um, they have their own, and that's it. They have a third round pick from from the LA Kings. You know that's going to be great. But the first and second round for the next three years, 2022, 2023, 2024, they only have their own first round picks. They have. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So that's what, cause I thought they got a first round pick with the other deal, but they didn't. They didn't actually get any picks. Um, you know, it was it was just the players. So, like you said, it's a, it's a really strange move. And now you've got a a defensive core which has Roman Yossi, excellent player, Matthias Ekholm, good player. He's thirty one. And he's a UFA next year, so arguably he's not going to be there. Yeah. Philip Myers, who's a 24-year-old who's got a lot of potential but has not realised that potential yet. He is not a top four D-man yet. I'm not saying he can't get there, so you know, don't berate me on Twitter, but he's not there today. That, that's what the Nashville were talking about today, and he's not there. Dante Fabro, good player. Still got a lot to learn. Still got a lot to learn for him, in my opinion. He's top four now, but he's got the ability to be a top two. But the whole point was that, like, with someone like him, he'd develop as maybe Yossi would regress and you'd kind of get that changing of the guard. Um, but they, we're not going to see that. Um, and then they've got Borowicki, Matthew Benning, and Ben Harper, like, which aren't going to, again, they're not going to be... Uh, you know, nobody. They're they're not making onto anybody's fantasy teams. Put it that way. They are they are not they are not they are not good defensemen. So, um, I I look at this team and go, you made the playoffs last year, and you thought, let's go backwards. Victor Arvidsson, massive massive piece for them. What what a move from the Kings. Love it. Um, third round pick for him. I mean, Jesus, uh, it's just mental. That's gonna be crazy. Um, and Cody Glass, I I love Cody Glass. I think has got a great ceiling. I think he's going to be has a chance to be a top six guy in the NHL, but he isn't today. Otherwise, Vegas wouldn't have got rid of him, let's be honest, because um, they're not making stupid trades when it comes to that sort of stuff, uh, which means you're still lining up with the exact same forwards from last year. And like you said, so if you're Philip Forsberg, you're sat there thinking, I'm not sure Nashville is where I want to be. So, um, yeah, I, I we, we said before this team that all we talked about in Arizona was teams that are going to make the playoffs this is the second team in this national surprise everybody they're not making the playoffs this year they're not yeah but they're not bad enough to be in the to be Arizona so 
they're going to end up with like, I don't know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 overall pick. And you think that's a really bad strategy as a team. But hey, uh, and I, I love Smashville uh, and I love it when they're in the playoffs because their fan base is absolutely fantastic. They are so, so great at creating that atmosphere. Um, you know, like the smashing of the car and the outside and all that sort of stuff. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've got no idea, Max. If this was if this was NHL twenty one, like you'd be you'd be quite happy going. What on earth are you doing? <laughs> like you're doing nothing. It's. I, I, I'd be that's... I'd be selling everybody. <laughs> like if if you're gonna do a rebuild, don't do a soft mm-hmm. rebuild because you can do a soft yeah. rebuild if you got if you got a, a love prospect that are coming up and you know that in few years you're gonna have like a like a two or three good prospects gonna come into your team. But exactly. they don't have this. They don't have this. They, they they do have good prospects, but they don't have the guys that are gonna come and okay in two three years he's gonna be a top six player except Cody Glass. I think nobody got the ceiling to do this in the Natural Predators team. So that's why if you want to rebuild, just clear them all. Because right now you're gonna ju- you're gonna just end in like the middle spot. And like you yep. said, you're gonna have like like a, a, a middle a middle a middle round first round pick can be good. Yeah, it is good because some player can get developed and and but that's that's not it if if they could get like a top 10 picks that's way better but that that's that, that yeah, won't be it that won't be it no no um strange very strange so St. Louis Blues uh, another team that I don't want to like but I kind of do uh what they've been doing anyway so last season not a great season for them um but they did make the playoffs 27 20 and 9 uh, very lucky I guess, to make the playoffs, given that record, if you compare it to some of the stuff on the East or the weird East last year. Um, but they met the, the Colorado Avalanche in the first round and were pretty much swept aside um, quite quickly. Um, but they, they, you know, they, they had a reasonable account themselves. Players they lost, uh, Jaden Swartz uh, was lost, obviously, to Seattle, as was Vince Dunn. Uh, Vince Dunn was taking the expansion draft, whereas Jaden Swartz left and obviously became a UFA and then joined the... Uh, Seattle Kraken. Sammy Blay left as part of the trade um, when they brought Butch Navish in, which I think that was a fantastic trade from the Blues. Mike Hoffman left, no big loss. Uh, no offence, Mike, but you, the numbers weren't there. And Brandon Saad came in, and we talked about Brandon Saad earlier when we were talking about Colorado Avalanche. He almost had a, a rebirth uh, at Colorado. So if we can see the, uh, the, the Brandon Saad that we know and love um, you know, hitting bodies, scoring goals, then that's going to be a great signing. So I love this offseason. Um, I'm not surprised they extended Doug Armstrong for five years. I think that was the right move to make. I think Armstrong's a very, very savvy GM. Um, but the big thing for me is Tarasenko. Is Tarasenko, is he, is he bought into that team again? Is he on board? Is he signed up? Or is he going to be a little bit like Eichel and potentially... He's a risk in the locker room. That's my not hot take, but that's my that's my concern for the Blues. I think they're good enough to make the playoffs, certainly in the wild card, but they need Tarasenko a hundred percent. Yeah, that that's for sure. I mean, Tarasenko is just is 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 he's their best player. I, I think with Ryan O'Reilly and uh, and all those guys, he's he's their best player. Uh, he's the one that got them so far in the player in the in their um, Stanley Cup race. 
uh, is is really the one that's gonna define the Blues' success this year. Um, mm. You know, he had a, a season full of injuries, but mm. honestly, Tyrone go if if he plays and plays at the, the level that he can, uh, Blues are definitely gonna be a playoff team in my opinion. But with the doubt that is uh, running around him, I think they're wildcat race at at best too. Mm. Yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. Bushnevich though is a really good addition. Same for Sad. They really got a better, um, a, a better in offense, in my opinion. I think that Hoffman, like, yeah, he's a good goal scorer, but he wasn't really a great fit with St. Louis Blues, um, given uh, how much uh, like the other coach was uh, was talking about him about a guy that doesn't uh, play the strategy, doesn't play the system, and is really um, he's a good guy in the power play but if he, when it comes to the five on five is really bad and yeah so with schwartz sam sammy blair uh, i think sammy blair was great in st louis blues but with bushnevich and sad it just make them uh really more uh, uh i'm sorry i'm searching my words a lot right now <laughs> i'm kind of tired no, 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 yeah. it's fine as i said look you, your english is 100 better than my french mate so it's fine i think <laughs> Now, what it is that you're saying there is that the it, we were talking about having scoring from multiple lines. Yeah. When we're talking about Colorado, and that's exactly what the Blues have got. Like, you look at the aim, it's the top nine. It's not even like it's the top six. You look yep. at the top three lines, and you think they're all pretty dangerous. You know, they've all got the ability mm-hmm. to score on you. And, and Butch Navage played really well in, 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 you know, in New York. And, um, and Brandon Saab, I think, is a great addition. So I, I love the moves from the Blues, as I said. And, um, I just want to see Tarasenko. I don't think he wanted to move. You know, I, I feel I feel like it's they wanted to move him, and and that's what annoyed mm-hmm. him rather than him wanting to leave. But um, it's yeah, they need to get that sorted if if it isn't already, uh, and then they'll be they will be there or thereabouts, no doubt. Yep. Uh, so last but no means least, so we're doing our usual, which is that we're over the hour mark here for these podcasts. <laughs> When we get into the regular season, uh, they won't all be an hour. So uh, we appreciate all of the listens, by the way. And those of you that are still listening right now, that means that you've stuck at this for an hour and that you've listened to a, my droney voice for an hour. And uh, Max is obviously beautiful French accent for an hour. That's it's impressive stuff. Um, so last is the Winnipeg Jets, um, who had a, a pretty good season, actually surprisingly good, because it didn't feel to me like they did have a good season. Um, you could argue they benefited from being in the uh, Canadian division that we had last year, but they had a 30-23-3 record, second round exit to the Habs, um, which obviously Max was very chuffed about. Uh, players they lost, subtractions, not any really ones to massively say, other than uh, Mason Appleton, who obviously was taken as part of the expansion draft, and uh, Nate Schmidt, Riley Nash, Brendan Dillon, those are your three additions. And I think we were talking about playoff-bound teams getting bigger, stronger, and better in the, the kind of bottom six lines. Riley Nash, don't hate that. Brendan Dillon, strong defensive uh, defensive player. And Nate Schmidt, I mean, Nate Schmidt had a really bad time in Vancouver, but he, Vegas, Nate Schmidt, was amazing. Like When Vegas traded him, you know, I was I was really surprised. I thought he was going to be there for for quite a while. So, you know, I like their moves. Um, they've got some more defensive stability now, which they didn't have before. The question, I guess, is: Is their playoff window still open? And if so, is this the year where we see them make a proper playoff run as the Winnipeg Jets? 
honestly, I, I've seen them a lot last year because they were uh, playing with the Montreal Canadiens like uh, all the 10 time. times. Yeah. yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. it was really about the defense. Really about defense. They had this terrible defense. Like, they had like Morrissey and Pionk were kind of good, but when it goes to that, like, bottom, uh, top six defense and maybe top four too, they were really bad. But mm. if you look at their offense, I think the Jets have one of the best offenses in the league in terms of balancing. Like the top, it, it, the top nine of um, of uh, forwards is really good. Uh, yeah. if, if if you look at this, like the first line with um, Connor, Shifley, Wheeler, uh, then you got Andrew Cup, who's got really better last year. I think Andrew Cup is one of the most under underestimated player in the league. Uh, mm. Then you got Dubois. If if Dubois comes better, uh, they're gonna be definitely a big, a big strong team in the in the uh, in the central conference in the central division. My bad. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree, and um, you know, and I think that this just proves, by the way, this being the last team that we're covering. But we've talked about more than three teams um, being playoff bound in every division we've talked about. And this shows how much parity there is in the league and how strong some of our teams are. I think we've got a really, really strong league this year. Uh, and the Winnipeg Jets uh, are part of that. And you mentioned Dubois. And I, to be honest, I've nearly forgotten about the addition of him. And, and I I think that they've they're gonna, they've got the potential to get more out of Dubois than the Blue Jackets are going to get out of Line, in, in my personal opinion. I I like Dubois. I think it's a good move. And that centre position, it's, it's hard to fill. So... Um, yeah, I like what they're doing. It's the question will be, can they make it count? If they get into the playoffs, can they make it count? That's the question because, um, you know, they, you don't want to be that team that's, that starts to just basically get older and older and older and you're having the same result year on year on year. So that they need to, they need to, you know, they need to, like you said, get a better, get better, getting better defensively, even if I can put my teeth in, getting better defensively helps that. But I want to see Winnipeg be the team that I think they can be, which is which is conference finalists at least. Yeah, definitely, De- definitely. I think I uh, last year when the Montreal Canadiens played the Jets, at first I because like they sweep the the Oilers and all, and all I, I thought the Jets are going are going to the conference finals. But it mm-hmm. it's uh, it's really when uh, it's really at this series that the um, lack of defensive. Uh, showed you go you know yeah. like a guy like Logan Stanley was wasn't ready to go in the initial at all and it showed in in this in his uh, defensive play but mm-hmm. he, he got to play in the NHL in the playoffs and it, it really just showed how um their defensive was lacking of depth yeah and yeah, even jo- and even Josh Morrissey I, I like Josh Morrissey a lot but he's got to take another step He's got to take another step because you know he's got some offensive skills and all, but defensively, he could be really like he, he can have a, he can have a, a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's if I'm looking at top ten defenders in the league, he's probably not in that conversation. Yeah. Whereas he he should be, um, you know. So uh, and it, he's he's still got he's got time to grow. He's got enough years <laughs> in him to to grow. So. Uh, I think I think that uh, yeah, but that's the Winnipeg Jets. So we'll see where they get to. Um, one last thing that I wanted to go through with yourself uh, before we get into the regular season, not on this podcast, but we're going to do another one where me and you can talk about just nothing but the Habs. Um, but sticking in the Central, we're doing our thing, which we call 
uh, front office frenzy where we <laughs> look at who is on the hot seat in that division. So within this division, of all the GMs, of all the head coaches, who do we think is most likely to face the chop if things don't go their way? So who's your thoughts in terms of which which GM's most at risk? Honestly, it's kind of a hot take again, but it's kind of between like the Jets or the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's really it's really the teams that we we expect to perform in the playoffs for like the next years. That that was a, we expected them to perform in the playoff, but once mm-hmm. again, it doesn't happen. And you know, in the NHL, um, when you when you uh, when you're ready to win, you got a, a small window. It's it just a small window that opens up, and you got the team it can win. But with the salary and all that stuff. Um, it can it can quickly uh, goes back goes backward and you can be like a middle spot team, uh, mm. and for a team like the Colorado Avalanche, where a guy like McKinnon is gonna ask more for his contract and uh, stuff like that, it's it's gonna really come to these next years because mm. they they want to. McKinnon is young, Renton is young, Makar is young, Lennon is going young, but it doesn't mean that because they're young, they're gonna be they're gonna be good like that for all their careers like there's going to be a lot of change and i think the the small room for stanley cup that the Colorado avalanche have is like in the next years like one or two years because it's gonna mm. it's gonna go it's gonna go backwards yeah it'd be interesting to see because obviously joe sakic is it's well liked um so yeah um i I wouldn't have Colorado in my choice, but I mean, like you know, like it depends how bad the season goes, I suppose, mm-hmm. and 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 also how vocal do the like you said to the players get because we've seen it in other places like Edmonton, where if your stars start to get vocal, it doesn't matter who you are, it it, it starts to play a factor. But for me, um, it, I think it's Nashville. You know, I I don't understand their off season moves. I think the fan base probably feels very similar. I, Smashville does not want to watch a team rebuild. They've, they've been there. They've seen that. That's how they ended up with players like Yossi. So they don't want to go through through that. I, I think the, if you had Nashville fans on this podcast right now, which we don't, but if we did, they would they would think they were playoff ready. You know, They would think they were a few pieces away from being there. So if they don't, if they go backwards this year, you know, I, I don't remember seeing any letters sent out from the management saying we're rebuilding like 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 New York did. So um, I, I think that the the head coach is in his second season. The, the guy who came from the Devils, and I wasn't impressed with him at the Devils either. Um, but I would say that both him and the GM are, are massively at risk in Nashville this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see one or both go. Um, before the season's up, I agree with this too. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree yeah. with so, this too. Maybe my uh, Joe Sakic is out. Uh, take it. maybe it's too much, but yeah, I, I really think too that the Nashville GM gotta go eventually if this, uh, if, uh, if 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 he doesn't have an iron iron strategy that we doesn't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, so when we're talking about GMs, I mean we, we probably could list any of them in the central because it's such yeah. a tight tighter than obviously Arizona, but it's, you know, Stan Bowman, he's not, he's not made a kryptonite, kryptonite. he's not, uh, you know, he's not got any armor plating on himself. Like he, he could, he could quite easily be in this list. 
Um, you know, Doug Armstrong obviously has just signed a five-year deal, so I'd be surprised if he was to go. But Winnipeg <laughs> Jets, as you said, so you know, teams want to win now, and and sometimes they, you know, they will make these moves for no other reason than trying to shake it up to make something happen. So, so we will see. Um, well, look, Max, I really appreciate you spending the time on today. Uh, you know, to go through with this, it's been it's been really good having you on. Um, and you certainly do not need to worry about your English, mate. It's been it's been fantastic. <laughs> Um, so mercy for being on and everything that you've done. Uh, for those of you that are listening, thank you for everybody who's listening. We appreciate it. Um, obviously, we're seeing the listens go up and up every week, which is fantastic. It means that more and more people are hearing about the show. Um, so thank you to all of you that not only watch it or listen to it, should I say, but who are helping promote it as well. You are, you know who you are. Most of you talk to me on Twitter, and you are amazing. Um, and next week, just to give a little like teaser for next week's show, uh, we'll be doing our last of these series breakdowns where we're going to be doing the Pacific Division um, with Seattle in it. Um, and we thought, who better than to get on as guest than JP from Golden Steel? So he will be back to break down the Pacific Division. Um, but yeah, look, last thing, mate. Thanks very much, Max. Really appreciate you being on. Uh, and for everyone who's listening, until next time, stay safe, and we'll see you in a week's time. Bye-bye. Bye.